like like Chris is grasping for anything to like about it. But I right. think where you were grasping was like wanting a Christopher Nolan type of enjoyment of like, oh, so it's repeating because he's looking at it backwards. <laughs> right. you know? And that definitely <laughs> that is definitely not at all what Darren Aronofsky is doing with this movie. <laughs> Like it's only like, going to Oh my to have... god, triptych storytelling. <laughs> There's only going to be more <laughs> questions as the movie goes on. It is not trying to answer anything. <laughs> um Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 471 with a review of Mother. I am Christopher Schnazy. I'm Albert Brooks, and it's fancy jam time. And I'm him. If you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, Stephen has ascended to become a god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Garson is doing whatever he's doing over there. And uh, we are back from uh, this little, little, little bit of a hiatus, hiatication of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we, as we have this episode recorded, a bunch of the back episodes are sitting on a server waiting for me to turn them on. So <laughs> you're going to get a bunch of stuff in the feed pretty quickly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, we're still coming. We got they're waiting for Logan Lucky and Ingrid Goes West. And Ingrid Goes I West. I know, mm-hmm. just waiting with bated breath. They so are backlog. I mean, they're, they're yeah, <laughs> so backlog like my penis. Pre- Okay, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those, those are ready to go. So by the time you're listening to this, those will be in the feed. So check for those if you're interested with our thoughts on those films. Um, but yeah, so we are back. We're, we should be picking up back to our regularly scheduled program. Got some big things coming out in the next few weeks. And hopefully we'll be able to have those episodes out for you the normal time. Um, but yeah, as, we, as we're, we're getting back, it's been like two or three weeks for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, hopefully... It won't we, take. We've been a little rusty, so we hope we hope it's good for you still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if this episode that, finishes that's early, what she then said. <laughs> just just give us another shot. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're gonna try this, do our best to get in this review of Mother, the latest film from Darren Aronofsky. So, ready to do this, guys? Yep. Mother. All right. Tell your children not to walk my way. <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a Mama, look. Mama, damn it. Just <laughs> killed a man. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Let's get this episode going. All right, so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Mother, exclamation point, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a full review. Mama Mia. <laughs> here I go again. We spend all our time here. I want to make a paradise. She redid all of it. Every last detail. And she breathed life back into every room. Are you happy? I love you. Please, come in. Hello. Hello. We're just gonna let him sleep in our house. Hello. Hello. Did you know he had a wife?
you in his luggage. What were you doing in their luggage? What do they want? God help you. So that was the trailer for the film Mother, with an exclamation point. And uh, basically what I'll say about it is a young woman wakes up in her nice little house in the middle of nowhere, and uh, some people start arriving at the house, and she don't like it too much. And that's kind of all I'll say about this story. (laughs) Um, Let's get into this review. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Mother? So I've been thinking ever since I saw this movie three days ago where I would land here. And I think in, like, classic Stephen on the spoiler warning form, I'm going to voice, like, a torn opinion and then decide by the end (laughs) what is going to happen. So, like, here's the thing. This is a movie that's, like, super easy to hate. Like, it's (laughs) extremely arrogant. The metaphors are so blunt and obvious. And, like, it's clear that Darren Aronofsky is, like, it's a giant circle jerk to him, right? Like, he has gotten enough credibility that he gets to make this movie that if, like, any low-budget person made it, no one would watch it. No one would be talking about it. It, like, this is a movie that thinks it's so clever when, like, it isn't really that clever, right? Like, it's kind of super extreme in its everything. Um, But it also is provocative and, like, I know that can kind of sound like a thing you say about anything, whether it's good or bad, but this movie is like a movie that left a mark on me. Like, I've been thinking about this movie way more than I normally think about movies like three days later. I think it's something that's really hard to forget. It's like a draining experience. It has a sort of clear visual aesthetic that kind of sticks with you for a while. Like, it's really good at expressing this feeling of, like when you turn around and someone has just left a room or you feel like you can't catch up with things or you're like trapped in this environment. Um, but anyway, it, it's worth like getting to what the movie is because here's what the movie is. is Jennifer Lawrence in a house with Javier Bardem who barely ever says anything. <laughs> mayhem <laughs> reaps upon mayhem. And it's like, we, we can go into it, but it's basically like a big metaphor for at least two things and i don't know how well they go together like one is there's a very clear metaphor for the bible here like it'd probably be a spoiler spoilers are even possible with this movie not just the bible but like all of the bible yeah yeah like you you've got like you've got in the beginning was the word and light and adam and eve and cain and abel and arguably a flood and arguably a messiah there's like a whole there's a whole thing and like it seems like Aronofsky is kind of continuing on the thread that he started with Noah of this idea of like 
taking a biblical concept and flipping it where you're watching as an observer, like in Noah, rather than being, look at Noah, look how faithful he was to God. He gives you the eyes of someone else being like, look at Noah. He is crazy. Like look at Noah and what his blind devotion is going to do to the world around him. And this movie could be read as like, look at God. He crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I I think I would argue that, He's almost doing a reverse Noah. Mm-hmm. So with Noah, he's like, I'm going to take this biblical story and I'm going to make a real story out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my best job to convey a story that I would do using the source material of of the uh, of the of this biblical story. Mm-hmm. And I think in this, he's like, I'm going to he did the exact opposite. Instead of like trying to build a story from these biblical things, he tried to take a thing that he saw in a fever dream and push it onto the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like exactly opposite of Noah. Yeah, well, and, and I think that's, that's true. And that does get to some of the uh, kind of extreme smarminess of this movie is how like clearly it's reaching for biblical illusion, right? Like <laughs> frogs. Does this do something <laughs> um, for you? Excuse me. The fucking yeah. forehead boils, bro. <laughs> Um, but anyway, there's another reading of this movie where it's probably how the movie actually started for him, where it's like the artist as an egomaniac who ruins <laughs> where, everything. Where right, it's where, his relationship with Rachel Weisz. Yeah, 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 where <laughs> Javier Bardem is the poet or the auteur, right, who like makes these great things, quote, that people love him for creating, but in the process he's basically destroying everything he loves and the actual creative process is like very trite when you see it right like wait a second is he javier bardem and the thing he's destroying his film <laughs> hey yo <laughs> no it's autobiographical since he's actually dating jennifer lawrence in real yeah, life like, duh <laughs> like in, in that reading i'm gonna make a comparison nobody else is ever gonna make and say it's a little bit like mistress america <laughs> in, <laughs> Oh, I in thought love- you were gonna. Be, I thought I was either gonna be Love and Mercy or Forty Five Years. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Those are just the go tos I think of. No, like, like you know, Mistress America. The the kind of idea, at least that I got from it, was very metatextual about uh, Noah Baumbach's relationship with Greta Gerwig and how he kind mm. of uses her for art and the feeling that it would feel like to actually be used for art. Like Greta Gerwig in that movie says something like. You know, Tennessee Williams based plays off people, but I'm not related to Tennessee fucking Williams, right? Like, and, and this movie is kind of like what it would feel like to be a witness to someone creating art and they're actually like a cheap piece of garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, there's those two different things. I have no idea how they fit together. This movie ramps up in a very, very insane way. It gets violent and uncomfortable and like... It's the use of Jennifer Lawrence as a kind of battered woman who almost never speaks and just like gets repeatedly shot on is uncomfortable and weird. And all I can say is like this is a very weird, uncomfortable movie that no one else could have ever gotten made on the side of the kind of budget and visuals that this movie got it made on. And that ma- that makes me like like I'm glad I saw this movie. I'm never going to see this movie again. <laughs> And that's, <laughs> for now, that's where I'm going to stand. I have no idea if it has merit or not, but it was like a big thing that you don't expect to see, right? <laughs> like it, it isn't as clever as Birdman, even though it's like in the same kind of genre as Birdman, but it, it was something. It was like Aronofsky going full Aronofsky and that it's interesting to know what the limit is. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that we've found it. <laughs> Lost in translation. That's what I was going to say. 
Because you always find a way to to work in that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Much like that joke. Carson. Uh, yeah, Carson. Um, what? Do, I, I mean, I, I think I, if I can speak for Stephen and myself, I think we are wondering very intently about whether this is your favorite movie or your least favorite movie of all time well did you hear what i said because you guys cut out i couldn't hear you uh no i think we both cut out to each other i, I heard you oh. lost in translation reference. oh okay yeah i said yeah. lost that was the movie i was trying to because you always you always managed to weave in something like that i was mm-hmm. you know we were talking about good time and you're like it's kind of like lost in translation with the sales like i wouldn't have i wouldn't have i wouldn't have thought of that that's for sure i don't know <laughs> I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, mm. the loss of translation is like a it's a Stephen go to. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. So I yeah. was like wondering if mother was gonna if mother <laughs> if you wanna find hell with me, <laughs> I could show you what it's like. Anyway, um, Chris isn't gonna edit this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just leaving it in. You're welcome, audience. Father, uh, yeah, yeah. you're done serenading us, Carson Patrick. What did you think of Mother? I, uh, you know, I I want to preface it by saying that I still like the movie. Um, <gasps> Wait, is this gonna be an Arrival love it hate it scenario? <laughs> oh no, I didn't like Arrival, so um, <laughs> I mean, but like I was... your version of me. Never mind. Oh, War of Two Carsons or something? Yeah. No, I just, uh, I I was disappointed by it for sure. Um, I still think there are things to like in it, but in terms of it being like uh, a full Darren Aronofsky experience, I didn't think it was that. Uh, I would definitely say this is his weakest movie. Um, uh, <laughs> Steven and I just did a spit take. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, if, if I had to rank them, this would be last. Like... I think that Darren Aronofsky has made so many memorable movies before this that this, that this just feels tame. Like it doesn't feel like uh, <laughs> it does. It doesn't feel like he went full Aronofsky. Like it almost feels like someone was trying to make a Darren Aronofsky movie and uh, not the real thing. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Like I, uh, yeah. Like it, it, it was very disappointing. I thought that. Um, just some of the 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 choices that were made in the in the movie um but overall my first reaction was that i thought this was like darren aronofsky's the room because i thought it was mm-hmm. really funny like some of it is very very funny like in a <laughs> really in a, in a like a really dark way he's definitely not taking himself seriously oh no it's it's ridiculous as shit like um like javier bardem and ed harris are are in like full Tommy Wiseau mode. Like they're so like so such like shenanigan makers in this movie. Um, I actually my, my, la- my friend Hayden um, on 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 Facebook. He said that Mother is really good if you imagine it as a long Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Javier Bardem was probably the best part of this movie. Um, he he was really he was really bringing it. Um, but in terms of like the you know that it's like weird and shocking, like I did, just, I just didn't get any of that. Now it doesn't. I don't think that's the movie's fault because, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, Paramount marketed this as a like uh, fucking Blumhouse style horror movie. Yeah, no, uh, they totally did. Yeah, which it isn't. It's totally not that at all. No. It's it's more of just a really absurd drama. And so, I would so, somebody was extremely smart by reversing 
the making the building go from pristine to evil looking instead of destroyed oh, right. to pristine again. Somebody was little little right click trying to reap in on that uh, Benicio del Toro. Guillermo del Toro, not Benicio. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, got my del Toro's wrong. Oh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, I don't, I, I don't blame them for doing that because I mean, this movie wasn't gonna make money regardless. Like it's, it's too, it's too fucking like not mainstream. Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah, like I, I mean, like uh, yeah. So and. You know, I, again, I think uh, even calling it like an absurd or weird drama, I think is is stretching because like there was none of it where I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like it, it all kind of just fell into place how I thought it would. Like, I mean, really, they they show you the ending in the very beginning, and you can pretty much figure out how it's going to play out. Um, so I don't know. Like again, like weird is subjective, and this movie got kind of uh heaped with a lot of the uh a lot of the everyone saying like it's so shocking like oh my gosh there's so many crazy insane moments like what the fuck moments and i mean again that's not the movie's fault uh it's just like that kind of shit like fascinates me that these people thought that like the stuff that happened at the end was like the craziest shit they've ever seen like they thought this was like a serbian film or something <laughs> Um, and I was like, uh, no, dude, like the, the, the same shit happened at like the beginning of the witch and nobody cared about that. I think it's on um, a scale though, that rivals the beginning of the witch, like the beginning of the witch definitely has a shocking moment, but like there was so much crazy shit happening from like about, uh, two thirds of the way through this film to the end that I think even though moments yeah. mimic the witch, I mm -hmm. think it's just, you're on a scale that is just, yeah, I, I would also say it's not like. I don't think it's shock value in the sense that there's like a moment that is just going to be a extremely obscene thing so much as like the movie is relentlessly this one crescendo of ridiculousness. Yeah. And like well, a lot of people aren't used to that probably. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously, because I don't think anything in this movie is sh like, I think if maybe you're six and have never seen a movie, yeah, it's shocking. But if you were six and you saw this movie, like you would be in therapy for life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Especially if you actually caught the biblical references, like you would never see Sunday school the same again. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I mean, you know, Sarah went and saw Seven in the theaters when she was a kid, and she turned out fine, so... <laughs> her parents took her to see all that shit. Who cares? Like, you know, if you know it's fake, then it's fake. Like, I I don't know. Like, I do think that there's a specific thing at the end that people were thought that was, you know, so crazy. Sure, yeah. You know? yeah. We'll, we'll call it communion. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Um... Yeah, like I just think that like some of the, the the main problem I had was like I the the camera work in this movie was so whack. Like it was just whack ass shaky cam close up like the whole time. And I know he did that same style in like the wrestler in Black Swan, but like here it was like taken up like to an eleven where it was like so so close up and so just uh you know where you you couldn't get a sense of geography like the entire movie and i understand that like you know he's trying to create the chaotic nature of everything that's going on there's confusion you know because it's all from the point of view of of jennifer lawrence's character but 
I don't know, something about that, it, it was it was like too much. It was distracting. It wasn't like how, like in good time, where I was afraid that that's how it was going to be, but it, it didn't end up that way where, you know, it actually uh, benefited the movie and brought drew you in and, uh, you know, created that, that claustrophobic and, and uh, suspenseful nature. Um, and the other thing I was bummed about was that there's no score in this movie. Um, like it's, there's a lot of sound design and sound effects that they utilize, which was cool. But like Aronofsky has had so many memorable scores in his movies, like fucking him and Clint Mansell have created just, you know, like the Requiem and the Fountain and Black Swan, like those are going to be ripped off for the end of time. And like, I wanted another, like, I think really... the Fountain showed that point in time too in the movie. <laughs> but, um... You know, like, I, I wanted another score like that. And I understand, like, he, I guess, had a score was written up for the movie, um, but he decided to take it out at the last minute because he thought he it played better without it, which is like, okay, that's fine. Like, you know, that's his decision. But I don't know. Is um, I just remember Sarah told me a long time ago, like, the best, like, Aronofsky's style and the best Aronofsky is loud in your face fuckery. Um, and I think that this movie was missing that, like there was kind of some in your faceness, but it wasn't really loud and it wasn't really fuckery to me. Like, I don't know. Like, again, that's why it kind of felt like someone trying to do an Aronofsky movie and not the real thing. Um, hmm. which also was like how good time was where the, the score was just relentless and in your face. And I think that added, you know, and Dunkirk too, that added to like the, the chaotic nature of it. Uh, and, you know, Black Swan was like that, too. I mean, like, a, pretty much every Aronofsky movie, save for The Wrestler, because that's like a straight drama. Um, is I want to hear a... the Bruce Springsteen acoustic score of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, that, like all of, like, especially The Fountain, um, and even in Noah, was, like, had way, like, uh, weirder and scarier shit in those movies than in this movie. Um, like, I, I still, like, think that... Um, Noah is is pretty underrated. I know. I know when we talked about it, I I really like Noah. I thought that like the 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 fact that he got away like some of the the violence in that movie, the fact that he got away with a PG thirteen in that is more shocking than anything in Mother to me. <laughs> like, all right. So, so yeah. Like Not I don't know. Like that's, <laughs> well, I mean it's true. That's just, I don't know. That's just what I think. I mean I know it's kind of stupid and. And like, kind of pretentious to be like, with mother, you know, it's not as weird as this movie, but um, I, I not don't know, as weird as Mother's Day. <laughs> that's just I don't know. That's what it is. like I said. Weird is like subjective, but I, I just didn't think it was as as crazy um, as it is. I mean, like to me, like King Arthur, Guy Ritchie's King Arthur is a crazier movie than this. Like, and the fact that like it <laughs> had a, it's a different kind of crazy. I I mean, and that too is like you know. Yeah, it kind of, like, and and I wouldn't have, you know, I never would have said that, because, you know, but I'm only saying it now because there are a lot of people who are, like, who are, who are saying it's so crazy, and I'm like, well, that, I don't know, like, to me, that's just, it's weird, it, fa that whole thing just fascinates me, but, like, that's why I bring it up and say, like, I didn't think it was that weird, but, anyway, it, it's kind of like how people thought Raw was, like, so intense and crazy, and, like, people needed barf bags and shit, and I was like, really? 
Like, uh, really? Fucking French Drake was making Chris barf? and I ate meat during Raw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, True. there was nothing about that, like, that was that was anything... They uh, really should have served, like, steak tartare mm. <laughs> during Raw. <laughs> I was going to say something about this movie, and then I realized, oh, that's a spoiler. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right, well, is that my cue to jump in? Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, what you think about this movie because um, spoilers. <laughs> she hated this movie. I would imagine so, but so so I I loved Noah. I think Noah is an inspired film. Like I was like when I saw that divinely movie, divinely inspired, divinely inspired, and uh, it was almost as like God wrote it down and just breathed it into uh, the the magical filmmaking hands of Darren Aronofsky. Uh, but no, like, in, in that film, like, I was like, holy shit. Like, he took this story that, like, we all know from whatever, and uh, he was like, how like how would I imagine this actually taking place mm-hmm. in the world? And, like... He gave him an arc. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll, I'll go there. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> stop, stop it, Spence. Get it. Um, but, like, I, when I walked out of that movie, I was like, wow, like, that, like, I didn't know how he was going to handle Noah, but I thought he handled Noah in an amazing way. Love that movie. Um, so, you know, we coming back from our, our vacation, I was like, yes, returning to the podcast, first thing we're going to see is the new Darren Aronofsky movie. I know nothing about it. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> and uh, as, as Steven spoiled a moment ago, I hated this movie, like, with a fiery passion with a with a fake cgi fiery passion yeah fake cgi fiery passion like i let's just say that if this if i was in the movie i would also cause the apocalypse Mm. (laughs) you'd be Kristen wig just capping motherfuckers i i wanted to cap myself in this film like i it like it was aggressively obnoxious to me and it's one of those things where like at the very very beginning I wasn't even tracking with the illusions. Like, mm-hmm. we start with the scene of things being sort of reset. And it's like, from that scene, I was like, okay, well, I know where this movie ends. <laughs> like, I, I know this story. It's cool, whatever. Let, let's just see what we're going to do along the way. And then it just, like, when I realized what was happening, like, all these, like, biblical stories kicking in, I was kind of like, I was just kind of like, oh, this is weird. Like, there is no narrative in this. It's just a series of metaphors or metaphorical instances where characters interact with each other. And there's no segue between them. It's just one after another. And it it just became this thing where, like, I I got tired watching the movie. Like, it, I, I was fully on board watching it. And as I keyed into what was going on, it just was this aggressive onslaught of metaphorical imagery that, to me doesn't amount to anything and it just as i watched i just became more and more angry and i i saw it with a friend and colleague uh and like i was with somebody so i had no reason to leave mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like i oh I, lord and he's I, like casey affleck's not in this movie I'll, he, I'll, he's, I'll watch it till the end for all i knew casey affleck was there under a sheet somewhere <laughs> hanging out in the building when everything was going to hell but no, it was just it's just one literally uh but like it was just one of those things where it's like i became frustrated that i was sitting through this film to watch it because it didn't feel like it amounted to anything. Like I, I was joking with Stephen earlier today. Like this feels like the Revenant to me, where it's like 
I'm not enjoying the story. Another terrible movie, guys. <laughs> no, lots Fuck of people love. Movie. Lots of people love the Revenant. I, we, we've already yes. had this conversation. We did a review. I'm fine being in the vocal minority of people who hate the Revenant, but it just felt like I was watching a filmmaker proud of what he was getting away with. And I knew what he was doing. It's like when, when it would be like if I walked onto the street and a guy was trying to con me out of money and I knew he was and I gave him money anyways. Mm-hmm. And then I celebrated him for conning me out of my money, even though the whole time all I had to do was walk away. But mm-hmm. I just let it happen because I'm a fucking sheep. <laughs> I'm watching this movie from a filmmaker who I genuinely think is good at making films that are very entertaining. And it was just one of those things where like, I was like, why are you doing this? Like, at Two Brute, like, why are you doing this to me? Uh, they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was it was super, super, super frustrating. I mean, like, they're in, in, like, three episodes back in Rick and Morty, minor spoilers for an episode of Rick and Morty, there is a moment where they are in a ship and it goes through a wormhole, but this like wormhole warp dampening field has been damaged. So in the moment they travel through the wormhole, these three characters live an, an eternity and their essences merge temporarily as they pass through the wormhole and then separate once they come out the other end. And like this 30 second scene of them living in an eternity, merging, separating, going through these weird images. This whole movie is that moment. And it works great in a cartoon where you're joking that that sort of thing is happening. But in a narrative film that's supposed to sort of be serious, like it just feels like frustrating and annoying. And I, it, it wasn't joyous. And it was one of those things where like individual metaphors you could like there there's like a part of the back of my mind that thinks this movie's genius and then the other part of my mind is like fuck this movie <laughs> i don't like this at all and it makes me mad and the problem is that any point that feels interesting and like something is being said if you put it up against all the other metaphors it just creates this conflicting narrative that doesn't matter and it's like there sure you have the story like you have the cynical view of god creating beings that their only purpose is to worship him but the film isn't even commenting on that it's just stating it as fact and then going on to some other metaphor and it's like do something i don't have to believe in the message you're trying to convey with your film i need to believe that you believe in it (laughs) it's like i it just ah just this movie Made me so mad. So, so, so mad. And it's like, as it builds at the end, I never feel it's building to a thing. I just feel it's building to more intensity until everything, like, just literally explodes. And it's like, I don't know why this is good. And if we talk about, like, the cyclical nature of the film, which is established in the opening scene, so sorry if this is a spoiler, but, like, I have to feel that there is an option for it not to do this, right? Like, spoilers for the end of the third Matrix, right? <laughs> Whoa. Okay, I, I don't feel weird comparing this to Mistress America anymore. <laughs> spoilers for the end of the third Matrix. I don't think and, anyone cares and, about the third Matrix anymore. And spoilers for this film. We find out that the things that have happened in the Matrix have happened before, and Neo is presented with this truth and has an option to either reinsert himself into the matrix and reset things and everything will be happy. Or he has a chance to walk out this door, save his love, possibly ending the human race. Right. And he 
uh, the word that is escaping my brain, he basically makes a rash decision and does the one thing that jeopardizes the human race, right? But he goes off to do his thing. And, like, you can believe that he could have reinserted himself into the Matrix and started things again. In this story, what happens, there is no sense that the character could have made any choice other than the choice that is made. There is nothing, literally... There's no narrative where you think of, like, the character doing something different. Yeah, yeah. definitely not what the movie is. And, like, literally, the craziest thing is, out of nowhere, Javier Bardem is just like, no, we have to forgive them. Forgive them for what? There is no... There is no through narrative where at that point in time you could arrive at a place where other than a character saying to forgive people that you could just forgive people. Like... It just it just, there's it it comes out of like so left field this decision that like well if we forgave people we could do something different right it's like no we can't where is that even coming from that doesn't make sense. I mean I I do think that uh, uh, that Darren Aronofsky does hear all these like extreme uh, criticisms toward the movie. And like the F cinema score and stuff. And I think he's just laughing because I think the point is to make people uncomfortable and to make people angry. <laughs> the, the, um, the, the funny the funny thing is, sorry to interject, but like I hadn't read about the F cinema score. Oh. We, <laughs> I, I meet up with, with, our, with our friend Julius. We walk into the theater. We're like, do you want snacks? Cool. Let's get some snacks. So we go to get snacks. Ice machine's out of ice. He can't get a soda. So we're just waiting for them to refill the ice. He's on his phone. And he's like, have you, like, read anything about this movie? And I was like, no, don't say anything. He's like, oh, I was just going to say something about one of the reviews. I was like, you can tell me about a review, but don't tell me anything about the actual story. And he's like, oh, I just was going to say that somebody gave it an F <laughs> rating. And, and what he means is everybody. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we walked out. When we got out of the movie, I was like, well, I know what that F stood for now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, it was intended to be this way. Um, it was intended for people to hate the movie? No, I think it was intended to get a rise out of people and to get a reaction that was, uh, uh, you know, somewhat incendiary, I guess. I I think that, um, you know, I think the point was to get people to think about it and to, you know, to, to have it stay with you after you've seen the movie, like Steven said, um, and, and, and a lot of the people who have praised it have said the same thing where they, they, you know, they're like, it, it is very uncomfortable and it does have some things in it that are, you know, pretty crazy and, and you'll be thinking about it. Um, for me, I was just, I was met with indifference. Like I, I, that's just me. Like I left Philly indifferent and slightly disappointed, but, um, but I mean, I don't think like, I mean, I do think that, you know, there is a little bit, the joy, he is having some joy knowing that a lot of people will fucking hate this movie. Sure, I mean, he he is definitely trying, like, he's trying to make it be a completely disorienting, ridiculous experience. And I think, like, like Chris is grasping for anything to like about it. But I (laughs) think where you were grasping was, like, wanting a Christopher Nolan type of enjoyment of, like, oh, so it's repeating because he's looking at it backwards. (laughs) And that definitely, (laughs) that is definitely not at all what Darren Aronofsky is doing with this movie. Like, it's only like, going to Oh my to god, have... triptych storytelling! <laughs> There's only going to be more <laughs> questions as the movie goes on. It is not trying to answer anything. <laughs> um, but I, I would agree that, like, with with filmmaking that 
like audacious or self-assured you want to think they like have a plan and it's gonna like fall into place somehow and he doesn't like yeah i mean i know he has an art quote artistic statement i don't know how art this almost felt less this felt less to me like a director doing the the most of his impulse and more like someone dicking around like uh I, I don't know the movie I want to compare it to. Like, those feelings when you just get... Well, that's why, that's why to me, it felt, like, uh, it felt like a first movie and not, a, you know, eighth movie or whatever movie of his this is. Like, <laughs> if Mother was Darren Aronofsky's first movie, I think I'd be like, oh, shit, this is promising. No, the if, fact... if Mother was his first movie, this guy would never work again. Oh, no, he would. <laughs> because it is memorable to a certain extent. It's just not as memorable as his other movies. That I think the fact that this has come after so many movies where you're like, fuck, this guy, like, you know, is such a talented uh, director that, you know, to me, this this just doesn't feel, like I said, it didn't feel full Aronofsky to me. Um, and so, yeah, so I feel like if, if this was, like, a first movie, then um, for sure it'd be like, oh, shit, like, this is a... This is one to watch, guys. Um, and I, I remember like what I what I wanted to compare it to is like only Chris and like three other people out there <laughs> will have seen this. But Uncle Kent too. <laughs> <laughs> we we watched this last year, like and and like Joe Swanberg is obviously very different in the way he makes movies. But this movie was clearly like him with his like director friends or whatever sitting around being like, you know, it would be funny if we did this and it's like all very inside baseball and it's like a person obsessing over the creative process and that that classic hollywood thing where like they think that's more universal than it really is right like you i feel like you definitely get a little bit of that in this movie and even that like we watched back to back with uncle kent one yeah and it was like there is no way i would have enjoyed uncle kent two if it wasn't directly following the first Mm. film yeah so like that, that analogy isn't really helpful, but I, I just mean, like, I don't think he's trying to do a grand artistic statement here. I think he wants people to be a little pissed off, not oh, yeah. because he well, is in service to some, accomplished. some, like, glorious idea, but just because, like, it's what he wanted to do this time around. Like, he's celebrating his whatever th- it, movie. <laughs> so, I mean, so, it, it honestly, it was honestly the same reaction that everyone had to the fountain people fucking hated that movie it's just that to me i mean i like the fountain i think the fountain is way crazier weirder than uh this like i wish mother was like the fountain in terms of just what the fuck Uh, you know hugh jackman drinking tree cum and shit like that (laughs) like that's what i wanted from this movie (laughs) um no, because, like, I mean, okay, here, this is the part where I play, you know, I put my schnaze hat on and be like, let me tell you how to make the movie. Um, <laughs> my my version of that. But, like, I, I, I just, like, for me personally, I just thought it would have been cool if it was more like that very first poster they released where it was a hand-drawn poster and there was all the flowers and Jennifer Lawrence is holding her heart, um, which is hilarious because that's also a spoiler. Um, but, um, but like that poster was like, oh shit, like that poster got me excited. Cause I was like, that looks like the Darren Aronofsky. I know. Um, and, uh, like if it, this movie had been like a really colorful, like a Dario Argento, like Suspiria type of thing with like insane gore. Um, like I, that's the movie I would have liked to have seen. Cause like there's, there's stuff in this movie that happens, 
but it happened so quickly and off camera and I was like, I want to see that. Like, there's a part, there's a moment in this movie where Jennifer Lawrence just starts stabbing motherfuckers with a piece of glass, <laughs> and I was like, I'd like to see that, please. Like, <laughs> you know, One like for me, I, yeah, I'd pay yeah. a good dollar for that. Um, and you know, I want to see fucking people getting their hearts ripped out and shit. Like, I don't want to just see like, oh, a brief flash of you know this crazy thing or you know, a purpur- uh, supposedly crazy thing. I was trying to pronounce another word, but I failed. Um, yeah, like, I just wish it had been more like that. And obviously, you know, that's just a personal thing. But, I, um, I, I like, I, I just wanted to reiterate the fact that, like, that I just didn't like how there was all this, you know, close-up, uh, like, not gonna show a lot of things, you know. Like, that, I feel like that was just distracting to me. I don't know, something about, like, trying to create the chaos. And again... If I were to say this and Darren Aronofsky heard it, again, I'm sure he's just laughing in my face because he just doesn't care. That's why I feel like this movie is like almost like a comedy because he's just like, ha ha, like I got you bitches. Like he just doesn't care. He just thinks it's all really funny, which is a part of the reason why I really, a part of the reason why I enjoyed, like I enjoyed that side of it. Um, You know, but like I said. I I do think that, that chaos is a thing he's been building. Like, like the Kunis Lingus scene in Black Swan is like <laughs> that kind of fever dream where things are moving a little too quickly and a little too weird to like, it, it has a terror that isn't actually on par with what you're watching because it has to do with the way that it's filmed. Yeah. And it, like this whole movie is basically that. Like the, but, but, the beginning of this movie, not the beginning, beginning, but like the main not opening with capital T, the beginning. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> like after, after the word, then um, they like, there's something about the interaction between Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem where she'll like be talking to him and then turn for a second and you'll hear like the sound of like a gust of wind and like he's like walking out the door. And that is disturbing, even though there's nothing disturbing about what's actually happening in the scene. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just like starting with like, hey, everything is disturbing you guys. <laughs> I'm just going to like get you ready for that. No, and I mean, I, that is I not think... like a pleasant thing to sit through. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I get, obviously I get that he's going for that, but then I just feel like uh, in Black Swan, he did a lot of the same stuff, but like just a lot better, I thought. Like the mm-hmm. in terms like of that, like I'll never forget that part in Black Swan where Natalie Portman is masturbating and then it just cuts to her mom sleeping in the same room and it's like, <laughs> dun, dun. I was like, oh shit. Like, see, that's the, that's the kind of shit I thought was going to be in Mother. Like I thought there was going to be people being like, fucking with like goat masks on like the people are gonna come in there and start fucking or killing each other like i was like i don't know it was just they're all just kind of come in it was like it was almost like she was like a like an angry parent <laughs> like an angry parent waving her fist going like get out of here like stop this partying it was like that kind of thing you know instead of just all like oh my god this is crazy just mm. just jennifer lawrence downstairs with the broom banging on yeah, the, the ceiling broom banging on the ceiling yeah Knock it off! Turn that shit down! <laughs> anyway, I, I do think, like, you mentioned not liking the shaky cam in this, and to me, the filmmaking style worked well, because that, like, that is the only way I can think of that you can juice claustrophobia out of, like, a single house for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you mean, need to make it feel unpredictable just in the way, like, you walk through it and never really see all of it. Yeah, no, well, I there's mean, also, like, a scene where, like, I feel like it's portraying generations of time really fast. Like it goes from just like a bunch of people like 
making a ruckus to like a, a war happening with like modern military weapons and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was crazy. Which man. is, which that kind of shit is also like a fucking, I wonder if that kind of shit is also like kind of like an airplane, like a Zucker Brothers parody movie, which is, I wonder why, maybe that's why this has an exclamation point. Like how Airplane and Top Secret and like Hot Shots, <laughs> like all those movies did. <laughs> Because it, it, like that kind of shit at the, the weeds end. with your conspiracy theories here. I think so. I think I mean because that kind of shit at the end was kind of like that. It was kind of like the Zucker brothers, like mafia, like you know, it was like that. I, I will say though, I mean, Stephen mentioned earlier that I was grasping for things to actually celebrate in this film, and I genuinely like the presentation of the cacophony towards the end. Like I, I, I was telling uh, you know another friend at the office today that I was like. Basically, the end of this film is the crazy moment from Eternal Sunshine from the Spotless Mind where he's going back through these moments earlier and he's chasing himself through them. If you took Children of Men and set it in that moment in Eternal Mm -hmm. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, that's like what the end of this film starts to become in those scenes before like the main narrative takes hold. Um, But like I got to give credit to him for staging and filming these moments in this scene where he's just walking through this changing scenario and like like how like that seems like a thing that you you do one take and then you're like all right tomorrow we'll do take two guys (laughs) and you just spend the entire day rebuilding the set so that you can shoot that again like i it's impressive it's an impressive feat but it's not a narratively gratifying feat Mm -hmm. and I, i don't really remember now was it was it filmed to seem like just a few very long takes or is that just like the sense that I got because of the camera shaking around? That was just the sense because there was a lot of cutting, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, like a lot of real quick Not cuts. just that piece of glass. <laughs> no, but what I was going to say about what Steven said about, you know, what you said about like that, that, that the like shaky cams obviously trying to get. And I mean, like, I agree, like you can do it that way. Obviously, like I said, in good time, they did it and it worked. Um, I just think that in here it was like too much. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to linger on things more. Um, and I, but I will say the movie looks really good. Like the, the actual look of the movie is really good. It's very Um, professional looking, which feels weird (laughs) when you get to a movie that I I know Carson is going to say it's not very strange, but I would say it's hard for me to think of a stranger film that looks this big budget, (laughs) Like, oh, well, normally I mean, it's hard to get funding for something like that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I definitely give them props for, for making it. I mean, it had a $30 million budget, which is way more than, I mean, Black Swan only costs like $10 million. Well, I mean, um, Jennifer Lawrence was building, uh, Jennifer Lawrence was building the set herself. So, I mean, they <laughs> saved a lot of money that right, way. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I just, I like the, the fucking, you know, the, the, the graininess and the just the grittiness of it of the look of it was very uh you know it, it looked really good um i just wish that like i saw more of it it's kind of like the you know complaining or wishing to see more in like those like very uh shaky cam cut action scenes like when they stage those and you're just like i want to see the fight like mm-hmm. like in this like i want to see more of the chaos just like how I, you know, how it was in some of the other movies too, um, and and obviously, like I mentioned, The Witch, and like I think that is also another movie that 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 is like a traditionally shot movie that builds on chaos and 
suspense really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, an, another, uh, well, a movie that <laughs> nobody saw and a lot of people hated uh, was The Cure for Wellness earlier this year. Has a lot of the same similarities of this where, you know, Dane DeHaan is trapped in one location um, and there's a lot of shit that he doesn't know what's going on. And, um, you know, a lot of people like just acting like, oh, yeah, like, you know, a lot of weird like Javier Bardem's and Ed Harris's acting you know weird where you're just like what the fuck are they doing you know and he's trying to get answers and nobody will tell him um so yeah it's kind of like that now uh being the much smarter person than i am uh than me uh sarah recalled this movie that came out earlier this year called voodoo um which was this garbage just absolutely garbage found footage movie that we only watched because there was this one review, Simon Abrams on RogerEbert.com, gave it three stars, and I was like, why the fuck? Like, I saw the poster, and it like it looked like they had made it in, like, Microsoft Paint or something. Like, it was so low budge. <laughs> and, like, um, uh, I, I, in that review, he said, like, this movie is fucking garbage. Like, he basically started off by saying, it's trash, but I'm only giving it three stars because the last, like... 30 minutes of this movie is fucking insane. Um, and he kind of described some stuff that went on. I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm always, that's always like a thing where it's like, all right, well, they say it, I got to watch it now. Um, and that actually, that was like a recent example where someone was like, it's so fucking crazy. And it actually delivered. Um, and, and it's kind of like the end of mother where it starts off. Like, I mean, you've got to sit through all this trash, like found footage. It's basically like that movie afflicted that Chris thought I would really enjoy and did it. Um, I don't know for, if I thought you would really enjoy it. Oh, I just no. thought it was good, and we wanted to talk about it. <laughs> no, the, the direct quote from you was, I'd be shocked if you didn't like it. <laughs> That's why I sent you that video again. I found that video on my phone that I went oh, back I and... I didn't see it. I was confused when you said that. I didn't know that was an old video. I yes. thought that was just you, for some reason, watching Afflicted again. <laughs> No, dude, that's, again, very memorable, clearly. <laughs> no, but, so, like, it's like, it's like, you know, you gotta sit through all this this dumb stuff in the beginning, but then, like, you know, it's kind of like at the end of Mother, where, like, it really ramps up, and I think the fact that it's, like, so low budge at the end, like, adds to, like, the, the fuckery of it, like, it adds, it, it's almost like you're watching a snuff film, like, it's, like, that kind of level, where you're just like, oh, shit, um... So I I don't know. That was the movie that she recalls. I like, you know, that movie. If you want to see a really uh fucking crazy ending <laughs> to a really trash found footage movie, I would recommend watching Voodoo <laughs> cuz it's definitely memorable. That's for sure. And that's kind of what I and once she said that I was like, yeah, like that's, you know, the way people were describing Mother, um I kind of thought like oh yeah like it's going to be like that in this movie especially if Aronofsky is behind it and then you know it wasn't so So know. how how many people do you think saw this movie because of Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> and like what fraction of them do you think are happy that they saw it <laughs> Well I guess probably it depends none on <laughs> why they were singing for Oh Jennifer that's Lawrence. true yeah I mean Cross I feel that like... hurdle finally <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like anyone who did see it just for her went, you know, left with the same reaction that that Chris had. I don't fully get what she's doing in this movie Be- because you mean the, her the human being? Like as, as an actress, I feel like 
I had the same feeling with uh, Mocking Jay Part Two, I think, or maybe Part One, whichever one I hated extra. Well, I mean, at that <laughs> point, like she was of... contractually obligated to Both finish the series, yeah. right? She's no, not, like she wasn't contractually obligated to be in a Darren. Aronofsky I, I, I didn't film. hate the last Hunger Games movie. That was Part Two, right? Hung- Mocking Jay Part Two. Was there another yeah. one after that? I don't know. Okay. But you were so jacked up on Cracker Jackers or whatever. That's true. Called. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, there's something in uh, Mocking Jay Part One too, where she just had this kind of like steely expression and not really no emotion being conveyed she just kind of seemed like a shell-shocked person being forced to read lines yeah and this movie like i'm sure that was the directive but i definitely felt that the whole time like the very beginning when she's talking to uh javier bardem it's just uncomfortable she's just like hello it's almost like uh um geez what is westworld it it felt like westworld like she wakes up and it's just like (laughs) hello yeah, like she's programmed what to be. What can I do for you? Yeah, him. <laughs> it's just, I don't. I didn't understand her, and I feel I've been seeing some praise for her performance in this movie, and I don't understand that at all. Like, I get I, that that might be the directive is for them to just not do anything, but it, I, it made me uncomfortable. And combined with all the like, just brutal beating of her throughout this movie, yeah. it just really gave a strange feeling of a person who didn't want to be in the movie being forced to be in the movie i i think basically her character in the movie is the same as her in real life where she got to she's like i'm gonna be in a darren aronofsky movie oh my god this is gonna be so great and she gets there and she's like who are these people why are they here oh my god why is everybody ruining my movie why what's going on (laughs) it was actually filmed in real time yeah yeah they're like okay you're not gonna get a script just act natural act natural (laughs) I mean, that's a better hot take than, you know, the whole biblical thing, even though that's apparently <laughs> what it's about. So, no, like, so I, I like, honestly, like another movie that I, I want to compare this to is the movie Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> Where, yeah, see, with Tusk was way fucking weirder. But than like, this. but like, you know, uh, 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 Kevin Smith had like this idea as a joke. Right. And then somebody's like, you could totally make a movie out of this. Like, I bet I could make a movie out of that. So they made the movie Tusk. And yeah. Tusk does not deserve to be made as a movie. It's just the like extrapolation of a joke into film form. And I feel like Darren Aronofsky was sitting around a fire drinking scotch with some buddies, talking about, like, dude, can you believe I made Noah? Oh, my God. And they're like, dude, I bet you can make the whole Bible. He's like, dude, I bet I could. And then he made this movie. And it's just... It, it's just a joke made real that is a joke on us, the watchers. Mm-hmm. And that is the real crime. <laughs> well, I just wish the joke was more, you know, him and not just... Him, capital H, or him, yeah, Darren Aronofsky? Yeah. Darren, D-A, him. Like, I, I wish it was more, like, just his style mm-hmm. and not, uh, I don't know. It just, it felt weirdly restrained to me. Um, <laughs> that's and again... Still, that's still, that, that's bo- like a super hot take. It and again, my mind that you were again, even saying that. I, I mean, again, I'll fully admit that I'm probably in the minority. Uh, you know, I'm so desensitized. My brain is ruined. Um, the, 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 really, the best... what after you watch a Serbian film, nothing gets more fucked up than that movie. So I guess I'm, it kind of ruined that whole thing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. I wanted a little more from it. There wasn't, you know, there were some things to latch onto and appreciate, but there wasn't. Uh, there were other things, like I mentioned, where that I wish had been different, um, and like his other movies. So, hmm. but it was funny. Like while I was watching this movie, 
I was hating it so much that I was like, Carson's got to love this because I'm fucking hating this right now. And it's like my instinct was correct because you went the exact opposite you, of what you should He just wanted you to do. hate it more. <laughs> <laughs> my instinct was like, was like he's got to be the opposite of what normal people would think. And I was right. I just was on the wrong end of the spectrum. Like if Jennifer right. Lawrence turned into a walrus in the movie. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and also, I mean, again, and you know, it's not the movie's fault, but it was funny how they marketed it like uh, Rosemary's Baby, like had the exact same poster homage. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, there's nothing. There's no like. I kind of wish there was some like sat- satanic shit in this movie. At first, I thought like, well, that's what's gonna go down. And I was like, no. Yeah, it's Rosemary's just a, Baby it, was the Antichrist. It's just a fucking. It's just a fucking drama. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're trying to nod to the biblical thing, but it... Yeah. I mean, I don't envy the task of marketing this film. <laughs> no. I mean, really, like, someone like A24 should have put this movie out. Uh, mm-hmm. It still wouldn't have made money, and probably everyone would have hated it, but, I mean, it, it's one of those... It's that kind of movie where it's, like, like a specialty distributor should have put it out, for, for sure. But, you know... I don't know. There's something else I was going to mention, but, uh... oh, I was going to ask you, Chris, like, so what do you, like, where do you rank Mother in Darren Aronofsky's <laughs> dead, dead last, I'm sure. Is it dead last? It's, I mean, I haven't well, seen, I still haven't seen The Fountain. Okay, I didn't I know if you were I like. I The Fountain more than I like this film. I didn't know if you were pro or anti-Fountain. No, it's been, I've, I've had The Fountain sitting on my computer for year as long as we've been doing this podcast (laughs) i've just had it in itunes waiting to be watched and i just haven't found the time to do it and now i feel like this is the time Mm. having just watched mother i need to wash mother away with the fountain yeah Mm. baptize myself in the glory of the fountain for me I, i don't know where i rank it like when the fountain came out i did not like it very much because it it wasn't because it was ridiculous. It just felt like too bloated in its weirdness. I, I don't know if that makes sense. It felt like it thought it was way grander than it was. I don't know now if I stacked them up. They're definitely his two most similar films in terms of like both having very non-traditional narratives. Um, I might like Mother a little more just because it's concise. Like I remember everything it tried to do, whereas The Fountain was just like a ton of different messages crammed together. But oh no no no! What Jackie? I liked less than this. Well, movie. he didn't. He didn't direct that movie. So, what did he do for it then? He, oh, he just a, produced it. He uh, was a producer on it, but he so didn't I, direct it. I tried You're to talking pull... like Natalie Portman, Jackie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he didn't make. That. All right, cool. Sorry, I was a little hasty with my tapping on my phone over here. I was like, there's got to be a movie of his that I liked less. But mm-hmm. anyway, if this isn't dead last for me, it's close to first. last. I don't know because he's his last name starts with an A. <laughs> no, no, I mean like I, I don't know. I clicked and the first thing it shows is producer over director, which seems oh, weird. Like on IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he has more producer credits than director credits. I don't know. Who knows? Um. Yeah. Oh. Also. Uh. So. What did you What did you guys order at the Fat House, and how much money did you spend? <laughs> oh, did, both of us did not see this movie at the Fat House. Oh, what? I, I movie passed the shit out of this movie, and I'm oh, glad I did it. Oh, damn, son! 
I thought for sure the fat house would have like some kind of fucking you know baby um, on the menu. <laughs> Baby menu, baby meat burger baby back or something. Ribs. Yeah, baby back ribs. <laughs> Just a single rib. <laughs> Thank you, yes. And then, like, Chris Evans was there, and he was like, I know babies taste best. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good times. Well. So, should, should we... <laughs> uh, so should we get to verdicts for this film? Sure. All right. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give this a must-see, a record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Like, any rating isn't really going to be a good representation of how I feel. I'm, I'm going to give this a recommend with a caveat, only because I think, like, if nothing else, being a part of the conversation and knowing what this is is interesting. <laughs> like, if you're someone who likes movies and you care about Darren Aronofsky's, like, trajectory... I think this is definitely the kind of thing that you're going to wish you had seen. Um, I don't think it's a great movie. I think he jerked off so hard in this movie. I want to <laughs> ship him with himself and call him Darinovsky now. <laughs> like that, he is the celebrity couple on his own. It, like I, I just think it's like a very, very, very. Uh, I don't know. It's the most it was stupid. Reference. I know. It, it's like a, <laughs> it, it's such a like auteur thinking he's clever, and like a part of me wants to hate it, but it is also like a very jolting thing that stays with you for a long time. And I don't like. I get it isn't like Holy Mountain or some like you know ridiculous movie, but for the kind of budget that it had and the mainstream audience it had, then I think it it doesn't. These don't come around that often, like these truly strange films getting a big release. So yeah. Yeah. for that, Honest- I, I, I celebrate the fact that something could shake me up, even if I don't really celebrate what I think Aronofsky could have done better with this. But it's still kind of cool that it happened. Honestly, it's kind of like a more mainstream version of like a Michael Haneke movie like a funny game yeah funny or... games is, Joanna was comparing it to that yeah because like uh, like some of his movies I like but then you know you got like funny games and it's no funny Amor. funny games remake and Amore and stuff like where like he just fucking hates the audience and he just doesn't care and I'm just like oh we get it you're a fucking auteur guy you mm. know it's like one of those things where sometimes you can appreciate what he's doing but it's kind of like a more mainstream version of that like um you know funny games especially where he just is like you know it's all about like eliciting that angry reaction and stuff mm-hmm. um so i don't know, i just thought of that but um this definitely a little more enjoyable than a michael haneke movie um i was trying to find this hilarious review user review i found on rotten tomatoes where this guy was like I saw this movie and I'm pissed because I spent a hundred dollars at the bistro grill or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> and it just re- it just reminded me of you guys, which is why I asked, "What did you order and how much did you spend?" Because I feel like every time I ask you guys, you're just like downplaying. You're like, oh, "It wasn't that much. It was like thirty bucks." <laughs> I was like, "I th- feel like I've seen the prices, bro. Like it's fucking expensive, man. They're running a racket. They found a." They found a great way to make money since it's all it, about it, concessions in, money. In their in their defense, though, like their general ticket price is about seven dollars cheaper than any other theater in the city. Mm-hmm. I feel. Well, yeah, true, but you know, then you know, fucking pizza or whatever is like what twelve bucks, and then all your beers and <laughs> you that, could have, that, you could have popcorn for four dollars less than that. <laughs> oh man, 
<laughs> I mean, it just it just adds up, and you got tip. Also, them and... also, hold on a second. Hold, hold, you hold the fuck on. All right. So, so, I got a bag of popcorn and an icy when I watched Mother, and oh, that was twelve dollars. Where'd you go? AMC or something? No, it was a Century Unicorn uh, City, whatever bullshit. But okay. no, no, that that was twelve dollars. Yeah. If I can get prosciutto fig pizza Ooh. for. Just a few dollars more than twelve dollars. I tingled just that, hearing it. That's I think way, I think Steven just came a little bit. <laughs> that's way better than some shitty ass popcorn and an icy. Yeah, but I mean, like, it wasn't I, even a large icy. No, I know. Uh, I mean, but this goes just back to my whole theory. This is why all this just like fascinates me to no end. Uh, which is like, I, I kind of feel like I kind of know how some people feel about the DC movies now, like, about Batman v Superman, like, how they just can't stop fucking talking about how terrible it is or something. It's kind of like that feeling where I'm just like, I can't stop talking about the fucking Fat House menu because it's, like, so crazy to me that people would want to eat prosciutto and fig pizza during a movie. Like, that's so not a movie snack to me. Like, shit popcorn and an icy... It's a movie meal. uh, Yeah, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, shit popcorn and icy, that makes sense. Like, that's like, yes, movie-going snacks, just... You eat shit popcorn? (laughs) Fucking mindlessly eating, you know? You know, chowing down... Batman's not supposed to kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Chowing down on some fucking, you know, fried gnocchi or whatever the fuck they serve there. Like, I don't... (laughs) They definitely don't serve fried gnocchi. I would have definitely ordered it if they did. <laughs> Duck confit with, uh, you know, a braised jus. And I'm trying to think of all the terms I know from Food Network. All oh, the fancy terms. The baby from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, that's just, I just, I, I don't know. It just, it delights me to no end. I think I'm just going to start. The question at the top of every episode now should just be like, all right, this is what I ordered at the Fat House. This is how much I paid. And we should see every episode if we could top it. Like that's that's what I that's what I vote. So, Carson, if you were going to give this a must see, oh wait right, <laughs> I think I'll give it a recommend. Uh, caveat being, it's not his best movie. It's kind of like Darren Aronofsky's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo remake. You know, <laughs> where I'm just like, yeah, I like it, but you know, there's other movies that have done this way better, like the Swedish version. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it's kind of like that. Except for this is the capital D dragon and her the dragon tattoo. <laughs> Yeah, um, so it's kind of like that. Um, like I said, there's stuff I like. There's stuff I was just indifferent about. I walked out and I was like, "All right, whatever." Um, but again, like I appreciate the fact that it exists. Um, it, this was not an arrival situation where I was excited for a new Denny movie and I walked out just a hundred percent disappointed. So, yeah, I was like, you know, I can't do math, but I wasn't. 100% disappointed on this one. Maybe like 70%. I don't know. Again, I don't know math. Who taught you math? I don't know. I, I don't even know this is a bit anymore. <laughs> Saxon taught me math. It didn't stick. Um, uh, yeah. yeah I, I will give this a single Zippo lighter dropped into a vat of oil, uh, <laughs> which I think in our voting system translates to a must avoid. I'll give it one bloody light bulb that explodes and the blood goes everywhere. <laughs> oh, actually, I'd say pass with the caveat. <laughs> I feel like you gotta just experience what we experience. Oh, he's already coming around, man. 
It's going to make the top top ten by the end of the year. I think the top ten for sure. I hate this movie, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so I'm going to tell a really sad story. Uh oh. One time when I was little, I I had a balloon. (laughs) My brother and I had balloons, and I was in the backyard with my balloon, and I was doing this thing where you hold the balloon string at the top of the string, and then you uh, open your hand, and then you catch it before it flies away, and then your mom stabs you. (laughs) <laughs> no. So I'm playing this game in the backyard, and I l- missed the l- final catch, and the balloon just goes flying off into infinity, and I have no balloon. And I was uh. so mad that my brother still had a balloon <laughs> that I took his balloon and released it into the sky. Wow. That's Whoa. how I feel Hardcore, about this movie. Man. That's how I feel about this movie. I had to suffer through this movie. So should everyone else. Must see. No, this is going to be like personal shopper where you're just going to keep watching it again. Like, what am I not getting? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, pass with a caveat. Official official rating. But I mean, caveat it, being it, he hated it. It, <laughs> it is kind of weird, though, that like any movie without a plot, you're just like, pretty much like fuck this movie but if it if mother had a plot like a really unnecessarily convoluted <laughs> plot i feel like you would like it i mean potentially it, potentially yeah like because if I it turned like out it, javier bardem has a time machine and in the end he goes <laughs> back in the time machine yeah <laughs> this is like the third iterate it's like some fucking primer <laughs> thing or something um but no like uh that's why I wanted you to watch that movie, The Ghoul, because I was like, "Oh, this is this is right up this is right up Chris's alley." Like, it's so like it's so fucking dry, and like there's like time travel shit. And I was like, "He's totally gonna love this." Um, <laughs> That's the VOD one you sent me from. A, yeah, like yeah, ago. yeah. Now I watch it right after I watch The Fountain. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a like a British. I, I we'll talk about it if you see it. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, like I just kind of feel like since you don't. Like, I don't know, like, because, like, in this movie, I really feel like he meant for you to kind of insert your own hot take, your own opinion about what it is, whether you think it's biblical, his relationship with Rachel Vise, you know, whatever the fuck. Um, Like, I don't know, like, I feel like, you know, for you, I think that, I don't know, I feel like that you might get some joy of of trying to to figure out since you're always, like, nitpicking stuff. And, 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 you know, trying to find the meaning behind all the different things. Like, I, I, I just would think that, you know, a movie like this, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like, I think it's about this. But there's no plot. So, like, there, I don't know, like, that's... There, there, there's, just, there's just too many metaphor things that contradict each other's things. Like, Welcome to the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, zing. Um, but no, I just mean that, like, Jennifer Lawrence is clearly one thing. But if you take a number of other situations, that doesn't fit with those. Which I mean... already told you she's global warming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's not old enough for menopause. No, but I mean, it's also kind of that, like, I think I said this before, like, the personal shopper thing where, like, like there's a point in the movie where, like, something happens to Kristen Stewart and I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but sure, I'll go with it. Like, it doesn't really make sense. I'm, I don't even know if he thinks it makes sense, but it's just like fine whatever um i think it's like the movie's still awesome but um i know for you you're just like oh like i gotta have the meaning but i feel like in this like where you get to insert your own meaning 
that you would also like that, but then you don't. So like that's why I was I brought it up. I don't know. I think the point <laughs> is I think the point is this movie needed to have some element of time travel and or a very convoluted <laughs> plot <laughs> where they're like, let me tell you the rules. Let me tell you the rules of this house. <laughs> I needed a scene where freaking Fucking Donal comes in. He's like, I know rule number 25 or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Now I'm going to kill my real life brother in this movie. <laughs> All right. Should we dig off? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, wait, wait, so what, wait, what did you really rate it, though? Because I gave feel it a pass like... with the caveat. Pass with the caveat. Oh, okay. He bumped it up. All right. Yeah. yeah. But... Before we diverge into more conversation about the film, this is the end of the review. Stephen Miller, if people want to find it. Yeah, if you want to put... You can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Carson Patrick? Uh, I don't know. Mamma Mia! <laughs> people can find me at christopherrelight.com or twitter.com slash christopherrelight.com. <laughs> You can find the podcast over at spoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the absent score to uh, Mother with an exclamation point. Um, so hopefully you are enjoying that. It's going to be Mother! If you wanna find hell with me, that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be that song. It's gonna be dancing, dude. Obs. Obs. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, is Kingsman next week? Ah, uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. The we're, Golden Circle, dude. Yeah, we're gonna do the Golden Circle next week. Mm. Which I mean. I think it's a metaphor for butthole. Golden Circle. Get it? The movie already made it explicit last <laughs> first movie. <laughs> Um, yes, but yeah, I mean, it would be a good chaser from this film to be able to just have a crazy-ass movie with hijinks and fun and the Tate Meister. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Should be good. Um, Until there's, like, no plot and you're just like, oh, fuck this movie. No, that we already know there's a plot. There's a big bad, she's blowing up the old Kingsman, the remaining Kingsman have to go join the... Statesman to bring down the bad guys. Whoa, spoilers. <laughs> that's the that's the plot of the movie. It's Star yeah, Wars episode three, you guys. Jeez. Maybe it's not. Anyway. I, I haven't watched any of the trailers, so but obviously that is the plot of the movie. I'm pretty sure the last twenty minutes of the episode don't have anything to do with the episode. But thank you for joining me, my dear friends. <laughs> You're welcome, my dear friend. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome! Exclamation point. And thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, friends out there on the internet who are listening right now. Um, please yeah. don't invade our homes and worship worship us too much until bad things happen. I'm just going to spoil the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're leaving. Bye. Later. Please don't eat my barber. <laughs> <laughs>